would you turn with me this morning to Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12. I want to try to preach a sermon to us this morning called Connect to Christian Community. Connect to Christian Community. Romans chapter 12, and just just hold there. We're going to work our way through the chapter this morning and talk about this passage a little bit in terms of friendship and faithfulness and forgiveness. We preached a few weeks ago about connecting to Christ, and we started this Connect series with, with that of connect to Christ and how we must become rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. And then last week we, we talked about connecting to Christian principles. And if you will recall that if we will live our lives based on the principles that we found in God's word, we will be blessed. God will honor those principles and we will bear fruit in our, our lives. And, and so as they pull up the, the slideshow there for us this morning, we are going to go into the topic now, connect to Christian community. Connect to Christian community. I've thought about that term community, that term of coming together. And you have made, maybe you have had a privilege and maybe you have the privilege now of living in a community, a geographic community maybe, where there is a sense of community. There's a sense of bonding, a sense of connectedness. I believe we share that here as a church. We have a love for each other and there are, there are friendships and connections and we love one another and community is important. I thought of it in context of maybe a sports team. And I've thought through the years, you may have watched your favorite sports team. I understand that two of the very best are playing today, the the Cowboys and the Deadskins. And you may have watched your favorite sports team through the years, and maybe they they gained a a, a good draft pick, or maybe they earned an awesome trade, and you thought, this will be our year. The players are in place. The positions are filled And things are going to move forward and our team is going to win and advance in the playoffs only to find that maybe the season was disappointing. Because sometimes you can have all the right players on a team, but there is no unity or bonding on a team. A coach would call that maybe team chemistry. And if that team is not a group of friends with each other and respect each other, they may not go as far as their potential would take them. Or if the team is not committed to using their gifts and their talents for the betterment of the team, the team may not reach their full potential. Or if the team has no concern for unity and there are grudges and trying to outdo one or another, then that team is not going to reach their potential. All of those things that I just mentioned can be applicable to the church and the body of Christ. And so I want to preach about having a a community of believers and, and chemistry within our body, being friends and being faithful and showing forgiveness. But I want to ask you this morning as I begin, would you look at your hands Everyone, look at your hands. Now, don't look at your hands the entire sermon. I may, may get a 
complex up here, but, but look at your hands and maybe clasp your hands together. Or better yet, maybe if there's someone beside of you, clasp their hand for just a, a moment. Now I'm seeing some of you clasping hands. Now you can, you can let that go. I... <laughs> now how about opening your hands? Just open your hands. You can look at that, open hands. I'm here to serve. I'm here to help. I'm opening myself up. Open hands. And how about, how about we fold our hands? like we're going to pray, folding our hands in prayer. I want us to talk about all of those three things this morning. If, if they'll hit the next slide, I want to tell you about friendship. I want to talk a little bit about those hands that are clasped together. Friendship is a beautiful thing. Friendship is a godly thing. Friendship is a needed thing. The Bible tells me that if I want to have a friend, I need to show myself to be what? Friendly. And if we show ourselves to be friendly and if we show ourselves to be a good friend, we will be surprised at the end of the day how many friends we have in return. Friendship is a beautiful thing. I look back in Webster's Dictionary of the 1828 definition of friendship. And it said this, one who is attached to another by affection. One who entertains for another sentiments of esteem and respect and affection. And then that leads to something which leads him to desire his company and to seek to promote his happiness and prosperity. The, the opposite of that in the Webster's Dictionary was a, a, a foe or an enemy I mean, he knows that as children of God and living in Christian community, God is not calling us to make enemies. God is calling us to make friends. God's not calling us to maintain grudges and enemies, but God is calling us to be friends. And a friend, the Bible says, loveth at all times. Would you look with me this morning in Romans chapter 12, and just starting at the first couple of verses, and I want us to work through this chapter together this morning. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable. Somebody say reasonable. Which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What I believe that I am seeing there in those first two verses, it's a, it's a charge to us. It's an it's a, a, um, admonition to us on how to live our lives as friends of God. Hear me this morning. God wants to be my personal friend. And I believe he is my personal friend. God wants to be your personal friend. And can I preach to us this morning? Can I tell us that he has already done his part? He has already extended his love toward us. Even while we were still sinners, the Bible tells me that Christ died for me. 
Even while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. And, and God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to make peace with us if we'll accept that gift. But if I'm thinking of friendship, a, a friendship is not a good friendship if it's one-sided. Have you ever had a, a friend that you have met for lunch and when you left, you felt like that they had unloaded everything to you? But there was no reciprocity. There was no exchange back to them. A friend is a two-way street. Does that make sense this morning? A friendship is, is a communication, communication from one to the other, from the other to the other. It is a bearing of burdens for each other, a mutual helping of each other. And I know that God has done his part. But here in Romans, those first two chapters, he is telling us we need to do our part. And he said it's very reasonable for us to do our part. Everything that God expects from us to do, everything that he calls us to do, everything even, let me say it even negatively, everything he may convict us of, it's for our own good. And it's reasonable. Furthermore, he will help us by his mercies. He said at the beginning of that verse, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the what? The mercies of of God. So I want to tell you this morning, you may, you may sit here and you say, Pastor, I'm new to, to being a Christian. I'm new to church. I'm new to serving God, and I'm uncertain if I can really do it. I want to tell you that through the mercy of God, you can serve God. Through the mercy and faithfulness of God, every one of us can serve God, and we can be a friend of God. Friendship is a two-way street. God has done his part but I must do mine. And I ask us this morning, have, have we done our part? The first step is to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and our Savior. And then begin to live by those Christian principles that we preached about last week. So first we talk about clasping hands together in friendship and having unity and love with God first. And if we have that unity and love with God first, then we as a Christian community will have unity and love for each other. Is that all right this morning? If we come to the house of God or if we come together for ministry or Bible study or, or whatever we may come together to do as a Christian community, as each one of us, if each one of us as individuals are in that right relationship, that right friendship with God, that's going to extend to how we treat and react and be in community with each other. Isn't it beautiful when we come together in the house of God in unity? We must do everything that we can as believers to guard our unity. God has blessed this church. This church has been blessed for generations. The Allisons are traveling this morning, but for 27 years, what an incredible blessing that they were and their ministry was and still is to this church. And the beautiful things that God wants to do in this church and from this church as we go into the future, the only thing that can defeat us, I believe, would be ourselves. Because the enemy is already defeated. Any barrier, any obstacle, anything that he would try to do to stop this church, God is greater and he's already defeated. But where he gets a foothold is when he begins to try to sow division 
or discord among a, a, a body. And can I tell us this morning, we must guard our unity. We must preserve love. We must pre- prefer others above ourselves and maintain Christian friendship. Secondly, I want us to talk about our hands being open. Our hands being open. And that speaks to faithfulness. That speaks to faithfulness. Look, look with me at verse 3, and let's read some of this passage together. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you. Now listen to some of this. Do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God has given each one of us faith. God has given each one of us a giftedness. And may we not think of that gift as my gift, our gift, but it's his gift, his talent, his ability that he has given to us. And why did he give it? So that we can bless our fellow believers and bless this world. Look at verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. He uses the example of our physical body. I use my hands for different things than maybe I use my feet for. I did not attempt to drive over here this morning using my feet. Sometimes my driving might would improve if I attempted to use my feet, but I use my hands. My, Aaliyah was looking at me yesterday here in the office and, and she was doing something with her thumb and, and trying to open something without a thumb, but the thumb is important. If you're a thumb, you're important. Wherever God has placed us in the body of Christ, we are important and we are necessary. And it's a beautiful thing when, when I play my role and, and, and another individual plays his and she plays hers and it all comes together to glorify God and the work of ministry gets done. Each of us have a role to play in the body of Christ. Each of us have a gift to give and are our hands open, extending that gift to others. Look at verse 5. So we being many are of one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts that are differing according to the grace that is given to us. Then he starts to list some of the gifts. And I don't believe that this is exhaustive. I believe there are probably hundreds of gifts and talents that God has given to people. But he starts to list some of these that he defines in Scripture. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the proportion to our faith. Look at verse 7. Or ministry, let us use it in our, in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who is exhorting in exhortation. He that gives with liberality or generosity. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. What I'm preaching to us this morning is is being faithful in the gift that God has given us and having a mind set, a heart set, and then even a hand set. A mindset that is renewed by Christ. A mindset that says, any good thing that I have to offer, God has given it to me. I'm not greater than and I'm not less than. I am who God has made me to be. And I can fulfill that purpose that God has for my life. That mindset. 
But then a heart set that is grounded in love, grounded in friendship, grounded in wanting to extend what I have to be a blessing to someone else. I see examples of that all over this congregation. And then finally, a handset extending into ministry. God has given me a gift. God has given me a desire to use my gift. But there has to come a point that I put my hands out and I put my feet forward and I use that gift and I mobilize that gift to minister to bless someone else. Can I tell us all this morning that we are happier when we are serving? We are happier when we're giving. We're happier when we're loving, aren't we? And I want, to, I want to encourage us this morning, if we ever get stale in our, in our coming to church, if we ever get disgruntled in our, in our being part of Christian community, maybe, just maybe, in those times, find a place to pray and then begin to ask God, where can I serve? If I find myself in a place where I'm saying, well, the church just isn't meeting my needs anymore and, and it's just not doing it for me, maybe, just maybe, I need to find a place to pray and say, God, what is it that I can do to begin to serve others? Because serving is where we find our fulfillment in the body of Christ. When we come in these doors, when we look at each other, let's find somebody to hug. Let's find someone to shake their hands. Let's find a, a place to serve. May that become our heartbeat of our, our church. If there's a piece of trash laying in the parking lot, we can pick it up and put it in the dumpster. If there's a toilet that needs to be unclogged, we can take a plunger and, is that how that works? Plunge that. I better lead by example. So I'll have, to, I'll have to take care of the toilet next time I see that. But let's serve. We're happier when we serve. So we need to be faithful in servanthood. Let me move on to verse nine. Next, we need to be faithful in love. Faithful in love. Let love be without hypocrisy. What's hypocrisy? Fake or self-serving. I'm not going to love you for what I can get from you. I'm going to love you because you're God's child. I'm going to love you because God loved me and that love has grown so great in me. I want the love to extend to you. May my love be without hypocrisy, not fake, not self-serving. Abhor what is evil. And cling to what is good. Look at verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another. And let me just preach right here a little bit or teach right here a little bit. Our personalities are different, aren't they? I'm a laugher. Some people are criers. Sometimes I wish I could cry more than I do, but I, I express myself through laughter. Some of you may, may be through, through crying. Some people put it out there with many words, and some people hold it in. Our personalities are different. God has made us all to be different. But within our personality, in the context of who we are, the writer here says that we can still be kindly affectionate. Yes, true to my personality. Don't be fake. Don't, don't try to, to be who we aren't, but we can still be kind. The world needs a kind church. The church needs a kind church. Kindness, kindly affection to one another with brotherly love. And, and look at this, in honor, giving preference 
to one another. Isn't that so contradictory to the world in which we live? The world will tell us to step on whoever is in our way and, and bypass them and, 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 and outrank them and outachieve them and, and don't you dare defer to anyone. Sometimes even trying to merge into traffic. Nobody wants to give you a, a yield. But here it says, in honor giving preference to another. In this beautiful scriptures this morning, and there's a beautiful thought this morning that, that I'm going to honor you more than myself. I'm going to defer to others. That's the heartbeat. And isn't that what Christ did for you and I? So you see, we need to be faithful in servanthood. We need to be faithful in love. And then look down at verse 11. We want to talk very briefly here. We want to be faithful in Christian community. Verse 11 begins like this, not lagging in diligence. Keep active, keep moving. If your momentum is in the right direction, then maintain that momentum. If, if, we're, if we're attending church like we need to be, then let's be diligent and keep doing that. If we're serving God like we ought to, let's be diligent and let's keep continuing to do that. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. As soon as any of us make a step to improve our lives for God's sake, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be opposition. Sometimes the opposition intensifies, but here is a formula for us. We must keep hope. We must rejoice that knowing if we'll follow godly principles, we will reap godly benefits. We must persevere. When the troubles come, we know that God will respond and God will bring us through troubles. But sometimes we have to be patient in those tribulations. But all the time we find that God is working in the process. God could move for you right now. God could change your dilemma, your obstacle, your problem, your illness. He could change it right now. And sometimes he does, and sometimes he instantly moves. But if he's not doing that immediately, hold on to hope. Be patient in tribulation. Continue steadfast in prayer because he is working a process in you and through you. And others are watching as well. Verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Jump down to verse 15. We'll come back to 14 in a moment. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. The body of Christ, Christian community, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I have seen us in our six and a half months together. I have seen us rejoice together when something good has happened, when we dedicate a, a baby to Christ when we've had a wonderful day and we rejoice together. But I've also seen us weep together. I have been in a mini hospital room making a visit and on my way in or maybe on my way out, I have seen many of you coming in or coming out. Why? Because we are a Christian community that we rejoice together, but we also weep together. 
We send cards to each other. We pray for each other. There's a prayer group that meets every Thursday morning. And do you know what they do? They pray over every request that was written down on Wednesday night. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Christian community is a beautiful thing. May we always rejoice. If someone is blessed, let's be happy about it. But if someone is being put to the test, let's weep with them. Let's hold their hand through it. Let's hug their necks through it. Let's pray them through it. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And finally, I get to the last part of this passage. We've talked about friendship. Our hands clasp together. We've talked about faithfulness, using our gifts, our hands open, using the gifts that God has given to us. But finally, I want to talk about forgiveness. I want to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an easy thing. Forgiveness is an act of the will. I told our young adult group on Wednesday night, we were teaching and some of the teaching ended up being on forgiveness as well. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And then the feel will follow. Did you hear me this morning? We decide that because Christ has forgiven us, we need to forgive whoever has offended us. Because of his grace, because of his mercy. And I don't always feel like it. But by an act of the will, I say I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to continue to forgive them. And what happens is eventually that feeling starts to come along as well. But during that course of forgiving, that feeling can raise its ugly head and we have to pray about it. We have to pursue forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision that we must make and sometimes we have to make it daily until God takes us through that healing process. But I want to tell us this morning, we must forgive. We must forgive. First, Christ forgave us. Do I deserve Christ forgiving me? Do you deserve Christ forgiving you? That person that done me wrong, that person that did you wrong, they may not deserve to be forgiven, but the scripture tells us that we must follow the model of Christ and forgive. Let's read about it. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Jump down to 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things. But associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And here it is. Grab this verse, verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now this might be some hard medicine to Drink. I was going to say swallow. It might be some hard medicine to take, but it's good medicine. If I can't forgive, my entire soul can become toxic. 
if I can't forgive, my entire life can become impacted by that one area where I cannot forgive. And I want to tell us this morning that there is grace for our forgiveness, but God will give us grace to help us forgive others. And I just want to say that I really, really felt prompted to preach on forgiveness this morning. And I got up early yesterday morning and, and I've been reading a random book. Can you hit that last slide that has the no trespassing sign on it? I was reading a book that I got at a conference last Saturday. Dr. Mark Rutland, the author of the book. And just so happened, I had already made some notes about forgiveness. I'd already felt prompted to preach this last point of the sermon about forgiveness. But when I opened that book and went to the page that I had dog-eared, he was writing about forgiveness. And he was writing in the context of the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And he began to write about that and talk about that. And so I, I decided to put a no trespassing sign on our slide this morning. When I trespass, I go someplace that I have not had authorization to go. And I trample on someone's property where I have no business being. And every one of us has been guilty of that. Every one of us have trespassed against God. And every one of us has trespassed against someone else. But on the other side of the coin, every one of us have experienced a time when somebody came upon our personal property, our emotional property, our life itself, and they trampled on something that they had no business being a part of. They had no business there, but they trespassed into our lives, and it caused hurt, and it caused pain. But Jesus said in the model prayer, he said for us to first pray to God and say, forgive me my trespasses. And then he said to look at those around us and say, as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. Let that sink into us this morning. Let that sink into us this morning. And I hope that it would, would sink into us so greatly that we would move from the side of the screen that says no trespassing to the side of the screen where we have clasped our hands in prayer. Because I want to tell us that there is a lot of people in the world and there are a lot of people in the church world that we need to spend some time in prayer about some situations, some trespasses, and let God heal us. Let him heal us. Look down with me at verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. What happens in that context is we do the right things and the Holy Spirit will convict the trespasser. 
God is our validator. God is our defender. You may be in a situation right now and you, you say, I don't know what to do and I just want to get aggressive and I just want to fight and I just want to, to fuss and I want to do what I can do. But the Bible says, give place to wrath. Step back and let God stand your ground. Step back, let God stand your ground. And if there's an occasion that you can do good to that person, then do good for that person. I'm not preaching an easy thing this morning, but I am preaching a beautiful thing this morning. Forgiveness is a beautiful thing. And if we ever lose sight of how beautiful it is, we need to remind ourselves of what God has forgiven each one of us. I want to do something a little bit differently this morning. Nelson, can you come and just grab a guitar? Mike, would you be able to come and just grab a mic and... uh, We'll go from there in just a moment. Just, to, just want to do something a little differently. But would you go with me to Romans 12, 21? The last, we have worked our way through this entire chapter. Here is the last verse of the chapter. It says, do not overcome, or excuse me, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm reminded of a story in the Bible. I think it's John chapter 8, maybe where there was a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And her accusers found her, and they took her publicly to Jesus. I believe they were trespassing. Can I just be real and preach for a moment? I don't believe they had any concern to try to help her. I don't believe they had any concern to try to see her healed. They just wanted her accused. They just wanted her made fun of. They just wanted her stoned to make themselves look better. And you might feel like that woman this morning. You may say, I have failed the Lord and then people who should have helped me just exploited me and just criticized me and they just made it worse. But God help us to forgive our trespassers. They brought her to Jesus to be stoned. They condemned her, mocked her, criticized her, and looked down upon her. But not Jesus. Did Jesus condone what she had done? No, sir. No, ma'am. But did Jesus condemn her? No. He got down in the sand in the ground, and he began to write. We don't know what he wrote. I'll just give you Greg's theory. I think he started writing down those old boys' sins themselves. And I think when Billy Bob saw that Jesus was writing down his sin, he he got out of there. And then when Ben and Jason saw what what, what Jesus was writing about them, they got out of there. And after Jesus had finished writing in the sand. I, I don't know what he wrote. Scripture doesn't tell us. But after he, he finished writing in the sand, he looked up and he said, Woman, where are your accusers? She says, Sir, I have none. He said these beautiful words to her that he says to us today. He said, Neither then do I accuse you, and neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. 
Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you know you have a sin debt that needs to be paid. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you feel some guilt, some shame, some conviction. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about your relationship with God. I want to tell you that if he is dealing with your heart and life this morning, it's not a negative thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. Because he wants to say to you, and he wants to say to me, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. I'm preaching about forgiveness this morning. We can have it in our lives, and he can do, God can do a work in grace in our lives that we can extend that forgiveness to somebody else. Forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. How about it this morning? Do you want that weight of sin lifted from your life? How about it this morning? Is there a grudge that you have been holding on to and God is saying this morning you can find relief? That toxicity that's in your life, that toxicness that has come from unforgiveness, you can find relief and grace and healing this morning. Would you stand with me? I've preached about connecting to Christian community. I've talked about clasping a hand in friendship. First a friendship with God and then friendship with others. We've preached about having open hands and using our God-given gifts to bless the body of Christ and even the world. But now I come to folded hands. Folded hands where we know that within community... There has to be forgiveness. We spend enough time together any number of days. There's going to be times in a marriage where there has to be forgiveness. There's times in friendship there has to be forgiveness. There's times in a body of Christ where there has to be forgiveness. We're human. We fail. We say silly things. We say dumb things. Sometimes we just act ignorant. Not you, me. But we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. We need his forgiveness in our lives and we must extend forgiveness to others in their life. Listen to this quote from the book I read yesterday morning. He said, Lord, we have all gone places that we have no right to be. We have trampled on people's lives in the process. Forgive us. We also forgive those who unlawful entered and trampled upon us. I believe this sermon was for today. I believe every bit of it was for today. But I strongly feel in my heart this morning that this last part is especially for today. Is that all right? As your pastor, is that all right for me to just say that? If you need to forgive someone, today is the day to do it and God's grace is sufficient for us to do that. We're going to end differently this morning. Would you get a red hymnal? Would you turn to page 305? Would you put it in B flat, please, sir? We're going to sing this old song. This whole song embodies Christ's example to us. His friendship, 
his faithfulness, his forgiveness. It's all through this song. I want us to sing it together. And as we sing it together, I want you to know that this altar is open. If you need to come and you want to come and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, this altar is open. If you need to come and you want to pray and kneel down and and seek the Lord, this altar is open. If you need special prayer as we sing, come, this altar is open for you. And after we sing this together and after we pray together, before we leave this house, we're all going to say the Lord's Prayer together. That's how we're going to end our time this morning. Let's sing this together. Sing it all over the house.